the Weekend Show with Ken Kidney. Good morning, good evening, good night, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Weekend Show. My name is Ken Kidney, and as you might suspect, I am joined by my magical co-host Garrett. Say hello, Gar. Lally ho. The hell is that? I'm like a dwarf. Do they say that? Some dwarfs say lally ho or tally ho, depending. I've never heard that in my entire life. Well, you should meet more dwarves. They're only kind of fictional, Ken. Touche. Dwarves are actually a real thing. Yeah. They prefer dwarves. I've always thought that was weird. Yeah. Like, dwarves, if, if, if I were a short person, I don't think dwarf is the word I'd prefer. You, well, I am a short person, but if I were a shorter person. Are you saying that you think it's it's like derogatory in some way? Yeah. But I suppose, I suppose midgets is much better, is it? Yeah. Midgets comes with more of a kind of like a, 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 a it's, it's more of a pejorative, isn't it? But I think midgets are a little bit more sensitive of being called midgets, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But dwarves? Dwarves is the alternative? Yeah, but dwarves are like mythical beings. That's quite cool. Do they have axes? Axes and, They live, know, in, live in mines and have a lust for gold. I think it's diamonds in uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. So the d- They're multi-millionaires. Why are they living in a small cottage in the woods? And kidnapping women. Anyway, but like I think midgets is, is not okay, though. Yeah. But dwarves is. Yeah. Because then... Uh, they prefer dwarves. Yeah, that, but, that but, the... but people who would have been categorized as midgets prefer little people, I think. Hmm. Are dwarves little people, too? Yeah. Oh, what? what? Oh, okay. This could be a whole podcast, so we may as well... Yeah, the just terminology of how to refer to smaller people. If you know, and you are a smaller person... Please send us away not to offend you. <laughs> exactly. On Twitter at TWSKK or on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. We have an email. We have... Do we have an email? I set up an email to set up the YouTube. I don't remember what the email is, but... <laughs> we'll get back to you on that. Yeah, because, the, you know, the way you have to set up a business email for the, the YouTube? Yes. Uh, that's my email. I okay. I'm not actually going to have anyone send anything to this email because I just needed to set one up for the YouTube. Yeah, and it's kind like, of annoying, isn't it? I don't want to ever have to check it. So it's like anyone that wants the emails via the YouTube will go to me. Exactly. But yeah, we have an email. There you go. You didn't know we had an email. <laughs> no, I did not. And you may find out what it is, listener, someday. Yeah, but... we might actually start using it. Who knows if but I not... remember what it is. But not today. Coming up on the show this week, we mark our 30th episode by celebrating 30 years of Pixar. See how... How nice that is. We're very, we're very like synergistic. Synergistic. We're synergizing with Pixar. We're synergizing with Pixar. Please take notice of our our podcast. We debut a new segment called Do Over, where we exercise the ghosts of pop culture's past by rewriting history. (laughs) More on that later. (laughs) Exercising. Very good, Ken. You like that? Ghosts. Good, isn't it? Yeah. I was on top form last night when writing the script. (laughs) You were like, yeah, look at me go. All that and the ever-popular Netflix returns for more first-class entertainment recommendations. Pack show, I think you're going to read, Yeah, debuting a new segment. Good, yeah. Which I'm sure will go wonderfully. Yeah, I think we've done a few new segments and they either go quite well or disastrously bad. Well, so we never know. It's well, it's entertaining nonetheless, I hopefully. The original who's new, Who Knew's Best went so well, you cut it <laughs> from yeah. the first show. It's a new thing now, it's different. We've yeah. given it a new lease on life. Who knows best will be back next week. We decided to give it a bit of a break this week. But before we talk Pixar, Gar, our listeners want to know what's going on in the world of Gar. Daniel Bryan retired, Ken. He did. Very sad. It was. WWE superstar Daniel Bryan uh, retired due to uh, long-term brain injuries, I think. Yep, pretty yeah. much. 
Um, there was rumours that he was having seizures and hiding it. Yeah, well, it wasn't rumours. He said that outright on Sports Center. <laughs> yeah, but like he confirmed that. But like that was one of those kind of rumours that was prevailing for yeah. a while until he confirmed it. Because Dory didn't want him to wrestle, and he desperately wanted to wrestle. So like he was fighting them at every turn until, and if he was having these seizures while fighting them, it's like, dude, yeah, just pack it in. I know you love it, but and, and, and we and, love you. And we do, we do. I do love him. I and I will miss him. Like I'm deeply saddened by not getting to see him wrestle again. Especially he's only thirty four. He'd have yeah. probably a good ten years of prime left in him. But I I would prefer to see him have a quality of life and a life in general. Yeah. Rather than you know be bound to a wheelchair, be brain dead 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 yeah you know so if you watch like when he came back in 2015 yeah if you watch some of those matches it was like he was out to hurt himself yeah it's like what are you doing man it's like he's there to prove a point isn't like i can still do this yeah but like, he, like was, he was taking freaking uh, uh, half nelson suplexes on his head yeah. and uh, falling on his head a lot doing dangerous topes and being thrown head first into the corner it's like dude dude stop it you're a really good wrestler. You don't need to do this. It's exactly. It's, it was just unsettling to watch. And for me, it's just like nobody would have blamed him for moderating his wrestling style. And he could have. Yeah. He's more than capable. Because he's like, 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 you know, unlike Chris Jericho, he actually is the man of a thousand holes. So yeah. he could have kind of settled into a more technical style, pulled out the spectacular stuff once uh, a few times a year. And, and nobody would have. Uh, of, of and he still would have been awesome. Because exactly. he's one of the most like well-versed wrestlers in the history of wrestling. I, th- I think his retirement, though, was, 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 was him. I think it was kind of short and sweet, which I appreciate it because, like, you know, some people... Well, it was only, like, like, 20 minutes long. Like, you know, Ric Flair. <laughs> uh, you know, I know you had a long career, but, like, you know, you know, he's, like, literally sucking up every last bit of spotlight. <laughs> but he's, like, he said his piece. You know, he went out in a humble fashion. As authentic. He, he as, felt authentic. Exactly. Which as, is always what worked for him. He felt real. Exactly. And, like, he didn't kind of... Like you know, big himself up. He kind of just you know talked about being grateful for the opportunity. No, he loved talked, doing suicide dives. Yeah, talked to me about being grateful for the fans, and he made it about them rather than him, which was I thought was a nice touch as well. You know? Yeah, he's so, great though. He's great. Do you think he's going to have a role in WWE going forward? At least in the short term. Yeah, he could be an announcer. I don't think he'd quite be able to get away with being a trainer because I'm pretty sure you have to go through relatively rigorous testing to do that. Yeah. Uh, but recruiter. Uh, PR face there's loads of things he could do announcer I said announcer yeah agent agent an agent yeah uh, it depends what he would want to do like because yeah. apparently up until recently he's been asking for his release because he wants to go wrestle somewhere else the question is he's 34 Ken that's yeah. very young it is so do you think do you think like Edge what age was Edge late 30s yeah he was kind of 38 I think but Edge Edge had hit higher highs by the time he retired he was like a a 13 time champion or yeah. 12? oh no 11 sorry he had ticked all his boxes by the time he retired which Brian uh, hadn't quite well he's, he was a four time <laughs> champion yeah, yeah but really none of them ever really mattered yeah well the first world title reign was, wasn't bad it was significant enough but like the rest of them were marred by injury un- injury unfortunately or just being taken off him yeah instantly <laughs> So, um, yeah. Do you think he's going to, because like the thing is, it's not really Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels had a broken back, which kind of fixed itself over time. Like it it seemed like it was permanent, but you know, through kind of exercise and, and looking after himself for a few years, it it worked itself out. You can't undo a brain injury. Like, you know, brains, do brains heal? They do heal, but like, 
I'm not a, I'm not a neuroscientist. You know, I, you know, and maybe you should watch that film, Concussions, starring Will Smith. Doing an accent. Uh, a Nigerian accent, which we won't imitate. Yes, he's, um, he's, which I just kind of did. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I'd imagine your brain does recover to an extent, but, you know, you know, I reckon he's done himself some permanent damage. And is it worth the risk? I don't think so. Still, though, 34 can. Yeah, he might be. He might be uh, conjoled into doing one more match, I'd, you know, I'd, in controlled circumstances. Like you, you kind of don't want him to wrestle again. Yeah, but like I can see him getting that itch again. Yeah, but like, well, he does have a the, the one thing. And like Shawn Michael, when Shawn Michaels finally retired, he was like forty four, forty five. Yeah, and again, he had he done it all six times. He like had two Hall of Fame careers. Yeah, so he he could retire happy. Mm. He has nothing to come back for, Brian. But, you know, the only thing is that he does have a kind of a, a family now, you know. Uh, I'm assuming that him and uh, his wife, Brie, will settle down now. So it's getting to a point where, like, like, he, like I think if it was just him, he, you know, he probably would have tried to fight on regardless. Mm. You know, got his release from WD, went off to Japan, went back, maybe even to TNA, went back to ROH. But when it comes to uh, having a family, I guess it's not just him to think about anymore. So, you know, he can't really be selfish in that sense. Yeah, but he left one of the greatest careers ever. Yeah. He wrestled for 15 years and had probably more great matches than like 90 odd percent of wrestlers in the history of wrestling. And, you know, like at the time we discussed this and this was about six years ago when he signed for WWE, we were like, nah, it's not going to happen for him there. And he like, defied all the odds and actually made it to the very top. Like, unlike Punk, who, you know, what they were, they were kind of behind Punk. Yeah. Like they gave him world title reigns. He didn't have to like desperately earn every single thing he got yeah brian did like they dicked him about for a good four years yeah they fired him at one stage yeah and uh, it's only like i like the, the someone someone mentioned and this is probably true the only time they treated him like a true superstar was the night he retired yeah that was the only time they were like this guy's a big deal when they could milk it basically yeah. for all it was worth but um i hope he's like i think he's starting you know like at least you know in the last couple of years of his career, he made good money. Mm. You know, he started, he'll, he'll probably make decent money for yeah. the remainder of his WWE contract. He put it, he put some money away. I, w- I would hope he did. Mm. And I heard he's starting kind of new businesses around his kind of vegan lifestyle. So and he got a haircut. Yeah, thank God. He was looking pretty shaggy. Yeah, shaggy's not even the word. Bummish was probably the better <laughs> yeah, word. It's just like stop it, man. Cut your hair. But uh, I'm hoping he's savvy enough to kind of obviously. You know, remain with WWE, WWE, excuse me, for the time being, and you know, make some more. Brie can, can make the big bucks now. Yeah, decent money. Brie mode. She can use all his his moves now, and yeah. uh, you know, diversify because you know, you know, who, I know who, who knows how long WWE will stick with him now. You know yeah. that he's not of of active use to them, so maybe he should look into kind of starting a business or doing something, becoming an actor. Yeah, I don't think so. Somehow, like but, Edge. I don't know. I think I think he. Probably be a better actor than Edge. <laughs> yeah, Edge is Edge is all right. But best of luck, Daniel Bryan, in your future endeavors. Yeah, and uh, your future endeavored him, Ken. Yeah. We're already future endeavoring him. Yeah, but you know that's what they say in wrestling, guys. I'm using the lingo. I like the way people have already shifted back to Brian Danielson as well. Yeah, it's like he's retired. We can call Brian Danielson again. Exactly, but <laughs> um, you know he gave us everything. You know we can't ask for more, and we just have to be happy that. It, it was caught in time before we, you know, we were having this conversation in tragic circumstances, you know. Or at least, yeah, slightly more tragic, well, not even slightly, more tragic circumstances. <laughs> exactly. And literally every, well, not every, but most of the great matches he's ever had have made tape. 
Yeah. Like unlike like 1980s wrestlers who had all these matches that no one ever saw. Exactly. It's so like, Ric Flair's living on legend alone. Really. Well, his big matches made tape. Your tape. Your tape. Your tape. I said you're a tapeworm. Well, that's mean. It is. My you you go inside people and suck their nutrients out. Beggar. Uh, before we get to get to our, our big Pixar talk, you saw Deadpool. I did not. Yes. Uh, there's been a huge buzz over it. All my friends on Facebook have been like, this is amazing. See this movie. Gar, you're about to ruin their day. It's all right. Yeah. It, it's it's fine. It's like, it's a it's a solid, decent, like, what was it? An hour 40. They, they go for a lot of jokes. There is a very heavy joke density. Not very many of those jokes land, which yeah. I think is the film's biggest problem. About 20% lands. So that's about 80% of jokes that don't really click. Well, I suppose when you go for that amount of jokes, that's about the right ratio, isn't it? Well, over an hour 40, you'd ideally like, like 40, 50%. <laughs> Should do a study on this. And the plot is is relatively like generic. Yeah, superhero one hundred and one almost. Yeah, like there's a girl. He he essentially saves the girl. That's that's yeah. the, the film. So this film basically is eleven years in the making. Yeah, it's making a boatload of money. Ryan Reynolds basically that this has been his pet project for a long time because in Blade he did appear as uh, as Deadpool, didn't he? No, uh, X Men Wolverine. Yeah, but he played appeared in uh, Blade as well. Was he? Apparently, he's supposed to be Deadpool as well. Was he? So this has been in the car on on the cars. I should never say, heard of that. for a long time. Apparently, they did a test footage and then they shelved it. And Ryan Re- Ryan Reynolds may have indicated that he purposely leaked said footage. <laughs> yeah, and it went viral on the internet, as you know. And the the demand to the studio was so much. Apparently, they got so many contacts that they green let, let the film literally the next day. And they were already working on a sequel. So uh, it did work. Um, so the studios are so risk averse, aren't they? Yeah. It's just like, this might not make money. Let's not do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, so, you know, uh, the anticipation probably has done it good, I think. And they spent a boatload of money on marketing. Yeah, it has a, it's had a very clever marketing campaign. And you've seen that film everywhere. Exactly. So uh, it, it is a, a triumph for marketing, maybe more so than it is for film. <laughs> for, yeah. But, if, uh, if you want to see a good kind of gory adult kind of the superhero adjacent film go see kingsman the secret service instead well it's no longer in theaters you're gonna to have to rent it or find it online or build your own theater yes who doesn't want a theater again why don't you build me a theater that's my dream i want to have like a, like not like a, a home cinema room i want like an actual cinema screen like right. in in an omniplex in my house that will cost quite a bit of money i don't care it's my dream <laughs> <laughs> like the omniplex near my house costs about six million to revamp so like that's that's like 12 screens isn't it yeah so like so you one screen divide that by six yeah or by 12 even so that's 500,000 that's not bad okay if i was rich i'd throw away money on that would you not i would do that okay anyway pixar <laughs> yeah pixar pixar turned 30 ken they did february 3rd uh marked the 30th anniversary of the magic factory that is the pixar animation studio they like sprinkle sprinkle their little magic dust and everything they've and got, it becomes mar- magical exactly they've got the secret formula the studio, which began life as a technology company, not many, many people know that, Gary. Yeah, because most people like Pixar in 30. They existed from 95 with Toy Story. Exactly. They're 21. In, uh, in 1986, Forever changed the animated film genre uh, with the release of Toy Story in 1995. But uh, Toy Story was in development for about four years. And to get to that point, they had to um, sell technology. And uh, Steve Jobs, who was kind of involved from pretty early on, uh, was not convinced about the whole animation aspect. Well, he was wrong. It's like, uh, suck at Steve Jobs. Everyone's like, you're a genius. 
Toy Story is like the, the seminal film of, of, of millions of children's childhoods. I mean, get out of here. It really inspired not only a generation of moviegoers, but also a new generation of artists who we were seeing kind of thrive now in, in the animated genre. I think it's a golden age for animation now again. Except in Pixar, who are kind of like, lately. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know, that's, we're celebrating Pixar, Gar. Let's not be cynical. <laughs> yeah. Pixar has, you know, in the past, Gar, we'll talk, we'll talk about the present and the future, but has produced some of the most beloved, critically acclaimed and hilarious films of all time. I think we can agree that. Yes. Uh, raking in a 10 billion at the box office. It's a lot of money. Uh, 15 Academy Awards. And only one flop. Uh, well, I, I, we'll, we'll discuss that, but, yeah. uh, 55 Academy Award nominations in total along the way. That's a lot. I assume that's like technical and song as well. Yeah. Because they haven't released 55 films. How many films have they released? 15. 15. Toy Story. Yeah. yeah I'm a bit of a, a Pixar buff. Mm. Uh, Toy Story got a, uh, like an achievement Oscar. I think that's being counted. Like when it was released, it got like a special oh, award. because yeah, they for, didn't have the animated section yeah. then. It got a special award for technical achievement, mm. but um, yeah. So it's it's one of those things where like people don't know that to- like Toy Story was like a huge gamble. People just didn't get like yeah. even Steve Jobs were like, yeah, we sell we sell software and hardware, and uh, that's where I make my money. So okay, you can do your little side project, but you know, get the money for it somewhere. The animated films just weren't really a thing. There there was Disney and yeah. they made two D stuff. Yeah. But this idea of like three D animation, what is this? What is this this heathenry? People just didn't see it. People didn't see it making money. People didn't see it actually becoming a reality. It's like computers making animation. You know, in computers people make animation. Yeah. Computers taking our jobs. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically it. <laughs> you know, the old the old garden in Disney were just like whatever. <laughs> but uh they also like it's kind of strange because Disney backed Pixar, so they kind yeah. of they distributed Pixar's films. Yeah, but they didn't before give, buying them. <laughs> they didn't give them much financial help though. Because like we'll distribute the film if you can make it. Uh, we don't have much faith in this, but <laughs> yeah. give it a go. And uh, but Steve Jobs basically he like he started off as an investor in Pixar, but he actually through uh, basically pumping money into it, he just became the owner of Pixar. Yeah, because uh, to get uh, Toy Story made, they had to literally beg, borrow, and steal. Like there's a point where they ran out of money and they had to borrow more money, and Steve Jobs gave him twenty four million. Just so like, Toy Story flopped. Yeah, like it was all it was, those lovely films you love from your childhood wouldn't be there anymore. It would have been game over. But uh, obviously, I think the the one thing that Pixar obviously had in its favor was John Lasseter, who is uh, a a genius, a genius of animation. Who he now basically runs Disney. Yeah, in 1986, he made a decision. Uh, that wouldn't only forever change his life, but also the face of animation, as we said. Uh, he got fired from Disney, and he was <laughs> <laughs> typical. He, like he, his dream was to work for Disney. He went to the, the Disney Animation School in Caltech, and uh, they sacked him because uh, I think he made one called Brave Little Toaster, and they just didn't get what his vision was. Or didn't get his, so they fired his, him. They didn't get his style. You're out, John. He made a shitty short. Yeah, uh, he was. Uh, he was working at Lucasfilm in the computer graphics group at the time. So he was kind of uh, interested in that kind of area to begin with. He thought it's, it had potential. Um, and then George Lucas decided to sell the division to Steve Jobs. So eventually that division became Pixar. Um, he had the choice of whether he wanted to go or stay. Uh, and, he, you know, stay with Lucasfilm and work with the Lucas uh, visual effects company. So make a transition or, you know, go with Pixar. And he decided to take the latter. He made a good choice. 
quote from our good friend John. I went with the new company, John recalls, in a, in a video that we're going to talk about later. There was no question it was going to be something really special. Unless they didn't get it made. Yeah. Uh, it took four years. And uh, if you've ever seen, there's a, uh, a documentary called The Pixar Story. Yeah. Um, basically, it, to get the first film made, people worked day and night uh, for four years. Yeah. You know, the computers. Uh, this, this technology wasn't a thing yet. No, they were still they were making it as they were making the film. Yeah, they were developing the technology. They were they were the computers weren't powerful enough, so they basically had to run them through the night to get the rendering done. So because uh, Pix- Pixar essentially set the standard in rendering now, don't they? Yeah, a lot of films are rendered by Pixar technology. Yeah, we're gonna get onto that guy. It's yeah. in it's 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 in it's it's coming up. Cool. Ooh, foreshadowing. Foreshadowing, but uh, um, it's about 20, 24, 25 frames per second, depending on what kind of frame rate you want for animation and apparently a single frame can take like a few hours to render yeah so if you're using a, a computer so like you're using a team of computers so i think it was like a couple of days like, like by today's standards to render a computer animated film to to footage it takes like like a team of computers like a few days to do it yeah it's unbelievable, like working day and night. Very technical stuff. I know. It fascinates me just behind the scenes. Like, like you see this. You just have these computers sitting there going. <laughs> this magical film on screen, but it's just like the the technical uh, achievement and the technical uh, need to bring that to the screen is is, ma- is massive, you know. But uh, do you want to take us take us forward, Gar, in our in our Pixar retrospective? Yeah. So under John Lasseter and Ed Catmull's leadership, it would kind of like revolutionize film yeah. 3d animation would eventually go on to become the standard 2d would become the exception exactly but before uh pixar was breaking records at the box office as we said it was a, it was a groundbreaking technology company the invention of the pixar image computer which is where the name of the company comes from uh which was capable of producing higher resolution images and other advancements in motion blur uh, which wasn't really achievable by conventional animation complex flexible characters just basically you know taking the squash and stretch principles from uh, traditional animation and kind of just using computers to achieve a, a more kind of fluid effect uh, and hand-painted textures. You were able to paint literally onto the 3D models, which was another huge advancement. And it was just changing the look of animation. Now, the early examples, the short films such as uh, John's directorial debut, Luxo Jr. and Tin Toy, um, they look great, but at, at the same time, they kind of look uh, primitive by today's standards. Kind Yeah. As in, like, they, they looked experimental. Yeah. But I fumbled with my scripts. You might be able to hear that at home. Ken, 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 Ken can't do paper. No, I can't. Uh, but uh, they they both received an Oscar for Best uh, Animated Short in 1988. I found it weird that they had an animated short award before they had an animated film award. But I suppose, like, uh, I th- like in my well, Tin Toy was the, kind of the first, you know, kind of a uh, kind of a milestone in in kind of recognizing animation as an art form and, you know, uh, as a as a standard in in animation. But I suppose, like, uh, for a long time, Hollywood saw uh, animation as kind of a a side diversion a or five minute thing to throw before a feature. Yeah, I suppose uh, like Disney before they would have produced features will produce those mickey mouse shorts yeah so it took a long time for uh, in my opinion obviously uh the right opinion yes that 
animation has an important, if not integral, role in Hollywood's history. But it took them a long time to embrace that. It, it really t- did. Hollywood are, are old, like, yeah. like people who are just like, oh, change. No. So like back in the day it was Oscars so live action <laughs> instead of Oscars so white. But um, uh, but you know the the genre was starting to get people's attention is is kind of what we're getting at. Uh, and then in 1989, they released its RenderMan software, which is still an industry standard, as you said, Gary. I they, assume it's not the same software. No, well... The, I assume they've updated it since. It's like, uh, I think they're up to RenderMan 95 now. Jeez. I, that was a joke. But, um, oh, right. Yeah. I didn't get it. Yeah, so we're going to move right. swiftly on. Uh, a joke. Uh, but for computer graphics films, it's still used today. So, there you go. Um, that's what Disney and Pixar have always been able to do, though. They've always been able to um innovate so they're creating the technology and the art form drives the technology but the dry the technology enhances the art form so it's kind of symbiotic in that sense yeah uh and we're we're, we're getting to the big one gear but in, in 1991 uh their biggest turning point uh disney and pixar have announced plans to uh make and distribute the first feature-length computer animated film so well, now, feature length. Toy Story is like 75 minutes, isn't it? Yeah, which is long for... Yeah. I mean, like... It back, took ages. It took, <laughs> it took about 20 years for animation, uh, 2D animation, to get to the point where they could actually... Probably more, 20, 30, 40 years to, to get to the point where they could develop a, a, a short or a short film into a long format with Snow White, which is about 70 minutes as well. Yeah. So, um it like or it's not a standard and like that's that's kind of the reason you see like animated films generally fall between like 1900 minutes yeah because it would cost so much money to make them too long <laughs> exactly basically it's just a long long process and it's it's like, yeah, you look at pixar's budgets and you see like 200 million it's a cartoon <laughs> but you're paying a team of like 250 artists uh you know writers uh, those know, computers don't run on nothing <laughs> yeah, exactly so it's a very expensive process and very time consuming like I've done a bit of animation in the past and it's excruciatingly slow and we had a team of four I mean I guess, everything you see on the screen someone has done yeah you know, exactly. someone put time into that and literally frame by frame produced it so yeah. it, uh, uh, another quote from John Astor we're, 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 we're taking you through the, the Pixar story through the eyes of its, its, uh, its father basically uh, it's when it was when we started developing Toy Story in 1999, working towards its release in 1995, when we really saw a future for Pixar as an animation studio. And so, right after Toy Story came out, Steve took Pixar public as an animation studio. Yeah, so he finally saw the he saw saw the light. Yeah, get get your shit together, Steve. He turned on his Luxo Junior light, lamp and it's like, ah, yeah. The yeah, that's the that's the lamp in the um the Pixar opening. Yeah, it's still there. It's their it's their mascot to this day. Uh, look so junior um basically steve jobs kind of you know he kind of came around yeah well done steve steve uh, steve almost seems like uh, in the recent film steve jobs almost seems like he kind of he's kind of late to the party as in like he kind of gets it after he kind of doesn't get it and then makes all the money <laughs> he makes all the money <laughs> everyone else does the work and then he kind of like goes oh okay and puts the money behind it and then yep. takes the credit and he's a genius exactly I felt very proud of that, that Steve came around from hardware and software to seeing the potential and the value of how cool doing computer animation could be. 
and really bet the whole company on that. So basically, they still sell software. They actually, to this day, still sell software. You still see, if you wait till like the end of the credits, you'll see a rendered using Pixar is what you call it. Yeah. So you can still buy it. I, I actually looked at it. Rendering. It's, it's, it's like ridiculously expensive. But yeah, to, to, to lay person, you can't possibly pay for it. No, no you'd have to be like a, a registered company with billion, millions in the bank well, to not, do that. Not billions. I doubt the, the software costs billions. Billions, Gareth. It's billions. It's billions. They put, probably put like a lot of money into development so it is billions care mm. so there but um basically it went from being their primary business to animation being their primary business so you know the pixar was born pixar the real was, pixar was born uh, in 1995 with the success of toy story uh john Lasseter knew he created something special uh, when he encountered a young man at orlando airport this is a sweet story have you ever heard this care no Another quote from John Astor, a very long quote, so stick with us on this. We were flying back from Orlando, and as we were getting off the plane, there was a little boy with his mom standing there at the gate, waiting for his dad, and he was holding a woody dog. My sons, who were little at the time, uh, said, go dad, dad, look. Um, that tr- so, you know, he was, they were all like, oh dad, look, it's, it's, your, it's your dog that you made. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that trip was the first time uh, I'd seen the character I had created outside of uh, a studio or Disneyland or Disney World, you know, or you know, outside the Disney bubble, and the look of pride and excitement that he had to show his dad his toy uh, to, was really special. And I realized at that moment that the character didn't belong to me anymore, and it belonged. It belonged to him. It belonged to the Disney merchandising <laughs> team. Don't be cynical, girl. Churning out Woody dolls but over and over. You're my favorite deputy. The point is, when people embrace it on that level, and it kind of permeates the culture, like you it know, becomes a thing larger than yourself. Yeah, it's something that, like, basically, will probably live forever long after he's gone. Yeah. Well, not forever. Uh, John often thinks about that moment, girl, and he says it's why Pixar keeps doing what they do, creating heartfelt films are about the shared human experience. You know, think about Toy Story. Yeah. And it's a testament to how like good a job they did. Yeah. If you plop that film in the cinema today. Yeah. Uh, as it was in 1995, it would look good. Yeah. You still, know, you wouldn't look at that film and go, that's from the 90s. It looks pretty dated. It's It still stands up. And um, they have re- re-released the Toy Stories in cinemas and people have flocked to see them. So. Yeah. Th- those films hold up. Yeah. We like went to both, see Toy Story both, both creative, again, creatively and t- technically. One last quote from our, our buddy. Well, Toy Story 2 hits you in the feels. Right, John, it does. It's just like, oh God, stop, stop making me cry, Jesse. I remember seeing that in 1999. I was like so, so excited. Like, yeah. as in like, I was like anticipating it for weeks. They had to fight Disney to get that in the cinema. Yeah. Disney wanted to. Because yeah, Disney had the, had Disney had their very rigid formula then. Yeah. There was the, the, the cinematic release, then the straight to DVD sequel, then the spin-off TV show for the Disney Channel. And Disney would do that over and over again. And that's what they wanted for Toy Story. In fact, it went into development as a t- as a straight to video movie. Yeah. And then they're like, "This should be a film, guys. We're leaving money on the table." And then Pixar basically threatened to to end their relationship if yeah. they if they didn't uh, agree. The things got a little fraught between Disney and Pixar before yeah. Disney was like, "We'll buy them." <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because because they basically tried to control the relationship, and Disney or Pixar like, "We're not going to let you whore out our characters," basically. Yeah. And uh, And Disney uh, just like money, (laughs) drop money on it. Disney eventually (laughs) relented and allowed them them to make Toy Story 2. But they actually went ahead into production of Toy Story 2 as a feature uh, without Disney on board. 
It was a risky move. Yes. I suppose with the success of Toy Story, they probably would have gotten someone to distribute. Fair. What, what, are, your, what are your fond Pixar memories? Going to see Pixar films. Well done, here. <laughs> yeah. No, what, but like everything films. else Disney owns, it, it, it's, it, they were an integral part of my childhood. Yeah. I remember going to see Toy Story. I remember going to see Monsters, Inc. with you and Mom. I remember, yeah, I remember seeing to- uh, Toy Story 2 and like, like going off to the shop to get all my sweets and I was like, like making sure to get the perfect sweets for the film and like yeah. you know that's kind of a weird thought but as a child it was like really important it's important yeah exactly um, and then hearing the buzz about Wally it's like it's as good as Toy Story and I'm like bullshit yeah then I watch it and it's like I'm crying because yeah. <laughs> this, this is amazing I remember seeing the teaser trailer which is basically Wally just going around cleaning up trash and it's like they've yeah. lost their minds it's over yeah the Pixar magic is over but um, they went ahead and blew my mind because they established all of these ideas yeah. right out of the gate yeah that's an interesting uh, uh thought there girl that they had a meeting very early on i think it was after toy it was story after toy story it's like where are we gonna go from here and they discussed all these ideas a bug's life wally um ratatouille finding nemo monsters inc yeah these all came out of that discussion so these the, the basic ideas the, the kind of through lines and pixar are very very good for creating like films with a decent message yeah like monsters inc is happiness is, is greater than fear yeah exactly and wally has an environmental message and up is about like like companionship and the value of it and grief and yeah. you know coming to terms with loss and stuff like that which, uh, is, which is i think the biggest flaw of their the, their recent films that weren't great yeah like what's the message of brave that bears are cool yeah uh <laughs> yeah and cars cars 2 is their their biggest biggest commercial cash in yeah it's like guys i know these characters make money but no but cars one made two billion in merchandising yeah. alone i like cars one though yeah people should people are like uh cars one yeah. i'm like cars one's a good solid film yeah but like a bug's life is yeah. about standing up to bullies yeah so uh, i think they maybe circus animals can fight but you know uh we're kind of entering a decade of, of ownership under disney now and yep. you know disney you can see that yeah you can see that they're so disney disney didn't make sequels either though yeah that was a thing Disney never did. Yeah. I don't think there's ever been a sequel. I think Pooh. I think Pooh is the only person who's gotten a sequel under the like proper Disney animated brand. Oh, bit of trivia, Gareth. There's another one. Uh, oh, God. What's it's actually one? really obscure. It's strange that I got a sequel. Rescuers? Yes. Yeah, oh, Rescuers, yeah. Uh, like, and because like, they, they have the kind of like the, the Toon Studios. Yeah. The kind of smaller ones who got spinoffs. But yeah, Disney never made sequels either. And then Pixar, like, they're like to Pixar. Make Cars 2. Make Toy Story 3. It makes Slash us 4. too much money. Yeah, so um, I think that maybe because, like, Disney and Pixar are blended now. And you can see in a lot of their recent films, the Disney values or the Disney formula yeah. is a lot Particularly more, Brave. Is uh, Brave and The Good Dinosaur. Mm. Uh, the, the, the Disney formula is in those films, and I think they should be separate at all times but then you, you still got something like inside out which yeah. was a masterpiece yeah it is pixar it is one of pixar's best films which is about embracing change and not and again you, you can see the really smart ideas and really yeah. strong messages coming out of it and uh, particularly uh, it's okay to feel sad which is a very uh, mature message yeah. for a kid's film which is like bright happy colors yeah. ignore your feelings yeah. everything is fine yeah coming coming to terms with change and the animation style was experimental as well it was kind of different you know uh, whereas the good dinosaur, I haven't seen the good dinosaur yet. Was a te- I think I mentioned this before. Technically, you know, 
they they rendered the world in something that is the most photorealistic I've ever seen. It looks marvelous. Uh, in terms of the landscape and the water and the sky and stuff like that. But the characters just look kind of jarring in that, in that setting. Yeah. Because it looks kind of cartoonish. Yeah, it's kind of cartoony characters dropped into a very real looking world. Yeah. Doesn't really work. So I think that I don't think they're losing their way. I think that's just like the Disney influence is in there more. I, I would like to see it kind of lessen. Yeah, but then when you look at Disney, Disney are making masterpieces in their own studio yeah, now. So maybe they're so. sucking all the creative juices out of Pixar. Yeah, because Bolt, Bolt is a Pixar-adjacent film as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it started life with Pixar and then Disney took it over. Oh, great, Disney during the, their kind of their fall, rough patch. Their fallout period, yeah. But uh, here's a, a very hard question, Gareth, before we talk about the future of Pixar. What's your favourite Pixar film? Ooh. Ooh. Nostalgia leans me toward Toy Story. Yeah, I would agree with that. But... I think if you really pushed me, I'd settle on Wally. Yeah, I think if if you really pushed me as well, I'd probably settle on Up. Up is a good one. Yeah, it just made me feel so many feels, especially that first ten minutes. That won the Oscar alone, yeah. and I got the nomination for Best Picture. Uh, Up as well. I remember seeing the premise for that. It's like an old man, an old man, his wife dies, and he kidnaps a child in a house full of balloons, takes him to South America. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> they lost their minds, and then it's like. Like and then I felt sorry for questioning them, yeah. but um, I think that I um, it's like even like a smaller film like Ratatouille. That's a damn good film. That's such a a strange premise, but like in the context, it a just rat makes so much a sense. Chef become a master chef. It's 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 so simple and clever. It's just like who thinks of that stuff? Yeah, I think that they need to go back to that. And The Incredibles is the best Fantastic Four film ever made. Exactly. I've never seen the Fantastic Four utilized in that way. Yeah, it's just like here's a good. Fantastic Four film. Have we missed any? Is there any we haven't talked about? Uh, I've never seen Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo is one <laughs> of really their biggest finan- financial successes. I've never watched it. <laughs> it like I've watched films. every Pixar film, but it's just like Finding Nemo. It'd be like $700 million or something. Yeah. Maybe I'm um, saving it. I'm just leaving that one Pixar film just in case it's like, I really want to watch a Pixar film, but I've seen them all, but I haven't seen them all. There was a, a long time when I didn't see it either, and I was like, what's the big deal? It seemed kind of childish or gimmicky, and I saw it, and I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, Pixar. I'm it's sorry. Sun. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I doubted you. Um, we, can, uh, is there any we've missed? Uh, uh, as Ken uh, makes noise. No? no. Well, there's kind of Monsters University. In well, yeah, that's another kind of like mediocre spinoff. But um, coming up, okay. Speaking of Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, the sequel to Finding Nemo. Yeah, we're we're in kind of sequel land for a while. Yeah. And the studio, After we had two originals in a row. The studio's slate of upcoming films, which includes Cars 3, Coco, which is an original film, Toy Story 4, and Incredibles 2. Well, The Incredibles 2 they set up at the end of Incredibles 1. Yeah, there you go, there's going to be an Incredibles sequel. Never did it. It's, it's like a long time in the making. It's like by the time, it's going to be like nearly a decade, in a decade and a half by the time it comes out. Yeah. Uh, which is a long time. What's Coco about? Uh, uh, Dio de los Muertos. Oh, yes. That's been, in, that's been in development there for a while, hasn't yeah. it? So. Sure, the good dinosaur was entirely retooled. Yeah. And maybe that's why it didn't do so well. Yeah. Uh, we may talk about that in a future do-over, okay, once you see it. Yeah, and Cars 3, commercial cash in too. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I'm getting slightly worried They're more concer- that the, the bottom line is kind of more the concern than actual... Because you, you wouldn't mind... Like, the Toy Story sequels are both brilliant. Yeah. Like, like th- those are justifiable sequels. Yeah. Whereas the more recent ones, Monsters University and Cars 2, are like, oh no, guys, stop making bad sequels. Exactly. Because, like, like, I don't mind sequels if they're good sequels. Cars, you can kind of get away with because it's kind of a, a multifaceted universe. But, We've like, got the Planes films. And the but, like, 
Monsters University felt like it was reaching. Yeah, it's just like you didn't really ha- like they they claim they never do it unless they have an idea. Yeah, they didn't have an idea for Monsters University. It's just like what if they're younger? I thought it was going to be like a sequel where they kind of uh, encounter Boo again or something. Yeah, but taking Boo out of that was a bad idea. Yeah, Boo was cute and adorable. But um, one last quote, I suppose, from our friend John Lasseter before we wrap up. He's our friend. Yeah, or he's at least our we friend. think he's our friend because he made most of the things we love, and then yeah. Disney bought it because they buy everything you love. He's a he's a friend of the, of, of the the weekend show, as far as we know. Yeah, can't claim that he's not. Prove otherwise. Exactly. Burden of proof is on you. When I think of the highlights of thirty years, those are the kinds of moments I remember. The remember the the moment at the airport, because it was really me. Really means that you've touched people. You created a character that really entertained someone and really touched them. To where it's now part of their life. That's like deep. Yeah. Woody is part of me now, Ken. It's a part of their family. That's what really makes a Pixar film. I think that's it. It's that love of technology, that love of great storytelling, and that that love of deeply entertaining the audience of all ages. And that all comes together. So each movie is something that that is like nothing you've seen before. That is what, what Pixar kind of prided themselves on. Yeah. It's like, here's a film about toys come to life. Here's a film about an ant colony. Here's a film about monsters who scare people for energy. Here's a film about a fish who loses his son. Here's yeah. a film about a rat who helps a shelf a chef cook. Here's a film about a team of superheroes uh, who have to go into retirement and then come out of retirement. Here's a, here's a film about a man who kidnaps a child in a balloon house. Yeah. Here's a film about a robot left on Earth who has to clean up Earth and try and find signs of sustainable life. Here, you know, yeah, and they did that over and over again. Here's a film about a little girl's brain. Exactly. There's very little crossover between those yeah, ideas. Exactly. Like if you, if someone didn't know anything about Pixar, and you gave them those those plot synopsis. Exactly. They're like, are these horror films? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Are are these art house films? They're like, like that's that was their strength. I think going forward, I think they need to kind of go kind of like Disney did a few years ago and they, you know, they're on a run of unprecedented success again. Yep. Go back to basics, you know, unique stories, uh, memorable characters. And, you know, I think that's going to serve them best in future. Um, uh, I would hate to see them kind of go go solely to commercial route, which was almost what it seems at the moment. And like all all the other films made money. Yeah, you know, it's not like oh, it's like oh, we've been making these really kind of thoughtful, brilliant films, but no one went to see them. Yeah, they made lots of money. Yeah, as you said, the Good Dinosaur is what's considered their first flop, which it's the you only know, film that didn't make its budget back after twenty one years since Toy Story. Yep. And you know, all all that time, fifteen movies. You know, it's a it's a long streak to have. It's pretty. Yep. And they had they had the I think a good ten yeah. films of those were like considered ten masterpieces in a row. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it was bound to happen sometime. It's sad, but you know, streaks all streaks and and in terms of Hollywood, it's unprecedented almost. Yeah. So and you know, I, I've mentioned this before. I think films have more of a chance to be profitable these days. You know, especially with the Disney merchandising machine behind it. It's not just that, just like on demand. You know, Netflix stuff like that. Subway tie-ins. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, uh, uh, even TV channels are kind of very eager to get new content quicker these days. So yeah. it would kind of make its way to TV. So films become profitable o- over. Disney great- had their giant deal with Netflix. Now. Yeah, over a greater length of time. But I think this film over its lifetime will make uh, will eventually kind of 
take into uh, profitability. It'll just take a bit longer. But it, the you know, films have more avenues to make money these days. So you know, obviously the box office takes what everyone talks about. But I think that's kind of getting antiquated in the sense that that's kind of the traditional view because you know that's all you know what Hollywood was founded on. But you know, you know, the world is different these days, and films have a longer lifespan. Does that make sense? Yeah. Am I am I giving a, a good yeah a good uh, take there? That's good. <laughs> was like, uh, yeah, I was I... talking, but I wasn't sure if the words <laughs> coming out of my mouth were making sense. Exactly. So I had to I had to confirm that I was <laughs> in fact being coherent. But uh, all that's left to say is congrats on thirty years, Pixar, and we hope that you're here for many, many more. And we'll also be here on the weekend show to cover you. Exactly for uh, another thirty years. <laughs> Be sure to share your favorite Pixar moments and movies with us on Twitter at TWSKK or on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. We will be right back with this week's Netflix. Do not press pause. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Download a new episode every Saturday at SoundCloud.com slash TWSKK or find us on iTunes. Now it's time for Netflix. You're listening to The Weekend Show with myself, Ken Kidney, and my co-host, Garrett. It's that time of the week again where we regale you with our hand-chosen entertainment selections available to consume on the web in our favourite segment, Netpicks. What have you got for us first this week, Gar? When you talk about Marvel films, yes, most of the time, like the, the blonde-headed stepchild, is, is the Thor films. Yeah. Most of the time people are like, oh, why are Thor films there? Yeah, but they were very successful in their own right, especially the first one. Well, yeah, they make money. Yeah, all these films make money. But I can see what you mean. Is like when I think of uh, Marvel films, I think of Cap, I think of Iron Man, but I actually kind of almost forget about Thor unless he's in an Avengers film. Yeah, it's like oh no, no. there's like I watched Thor, the first Thor during the week. Yes, it's like that's a good film. I really enjoyed it. I saw it twice in the cinema. Yeah. Oh yeah, because you went to uh, where I went to see it with you, didn't I? Yeah. I was like, that's a good film. No, Thor two. Not so much, I don't think. But anyway, yeah. Well, I like Thor two too. It was all right, two two. Uh, but I, I, I do think that on second viewing, like the the surprise of like you know who Loki is, yeah, and you know what he means to the universe. But if you watch it after you've seen other films, lessens the impact of Thor. Yeah. Because while you can see decent foreshadowing and stuff, where it's like, oh yeah, he's manipulating things. Yeah. Is it kind of reveal that he is the villain is kind of spoiled on you? Yeah. But yeah, it's a good film. It's like Chris Hemsworth is is, is charismatic, and he, when he's like a, a god on Earth, it's funny. Yeah, because he's like, "Get me a horse." Yeah, and when he drinks his, his drink, it's like smashes the cup on the floor, and I want more. Another. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, there's good comedy in that. Um, it's kind of a good you know allegorical story, basically, like a, a, a classic hero. You know, um, uh, gets too big for his boots, basically. He has hubris. Uh, exactly. He uh, you know, needs to learn humility. Uh, struggles to learn said humanity. <laughs> yeah. And uh but like the moment, you know when he's kind of uh fighting that big thing, I can't remember what it's called. The the destroyer. The destroyer, yeah. And you know, uh he hasn't got his hammer and he's basically mortal and he's about to die. Yeah. I find that a very emotional scene. I actually kinda yeah. give it like kinda like not kinda teary eye, but I kinda got like oh, you know, the anticipation like I was kinda literally grabbing onto the edge of my seat going, No Thor, no. Yeah. I think the emotional beats of that film land. And and you know that moment where he finally proved himself and uh and Muir Muir 
Mjolnir. 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 Mjolnir, as the girl in the film calls Kat it. Cat Jennings. Cat Jennings calls it. Um, returns to him. It's just like, yeah. And then yeah, his fancy cape comes back. Yeah. Because for some reason the clothes come with the hammer. Exactly. So like the, the, that's like the emotional high point of the film for me. And it really, really landed, I thought. Yeah. And uh, it's got good action. Has Colt in it. It's got, it's not that annoying action where it's really close up. You can't see what's happening. I hate that. And him wielding the hammer is awesome. Mjolnir. Meow meow. Yeah. And Jeremy Renner's in it too. Yeah. Which you'd forget. Yeah. His little Hawkeye cameo. Oh, Hawkeye. I don't mind Hawkeye. He's another one. He, he should never have his own film. No, God, like, no. He, he'd never be able to carry his own film. But in an ensemble, Hawkeye is fine. I do like arrows. Even if Jeremy He Renner, shoots a lot more arrows than Arrow do. So he does. we'll give him points for that. I watched an episode of Arrow the other day. And I know I haven't watched it in like four seasons. Yeah. But it's like, what in the name of God is happening on this show? Like yeah. People being resurrected and there's like like multiple different secret societies. And Arrow isn't Arrow. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. And he was Raz al Ghul for a while. And then if someone else is Raz al Ghul and now someone else wants to become Raz al Ghul and it has uh, Captain Jack in it and he's not Captain Jack. Yeah. Which is upsetting. So, yeah. Thor not, is good. Not Sparrow, by the way. Yeah. Harkness. The, the message of this is Thor is good. Yeah. Thor is a good film. Don't shit on Thor. Um, Gar, I'm doing a bit, of, uh, a bit of our favorite thing here, synergy here. Lots of picks there. With my first pick, it's uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, a lot of my quotes are taken from a, a short video. It's about six minutes long, so it's not a, a huge investment for you. Uh, where John John Lasseter himself looks back on 30 years of Pixar. It's on the Walt Disney Company website, but you can also find it on YouTube. Uh, and it's just to mark the occasion. Uh, uh, Lasseter sits down with a, with a, with a, a camera, just him and the camera. Uh. And he just uh, reflects on three decades of hard work, mind-blowing techno- technological event, technological, I got there the third time. And versus course, words. Advances, and of course, great filmmaking. So he just kind of gives his thoughts on what, what led to Pixar's success. And I always like listening to him because he's got like a really, really nice voice. I don't you know. know. He became one of like the, the most powerful men in Hollywood. Yeah. Went from like, on basically fired from Disney. And now he's like the head of Walt Disney Animation. And... Pixar, you know, chief creative officer. He did so. direct John Carter, though, didn't he? Uh, did he? Was that the, that was John Lasseter, wasn't it? I think it was Brad Bird, wasn't it? No, it was one of the the, the very. Oh, it's, it's the other guy. Yeah, the other Pixar guy. Uh, I can't remember his name. Yeah, but that flopped. Anyway, but it's just a little short little video. Uh, it's got a nice backdrop of of like uh um concept art from the p- previous Pixar. Andrew Stanton. Yes, that's him. Yeah. Thanks for interrupting me. Sorry, for, uh, it came to me. Couldn't, couldn't, yeah, couldn't yeah. not blurt it out. But it, it's just got it's, it's just a, a nice little short video. Um, listening to a creative genius talk about how he uh, how he built the house that is Pixar. Yeah. So check it out. Uh, my second pick again. It it is we talk about the thirtieth anniversary of Pixar. It is the twentieth anniversary of Pokemons. Oh God, I feel old. We all live in a Pokemon world, Ken. We do. We all live. In a Pokemon That is definitively the second best theme song. What is the first one? Pokemon Johto, Ken. Ah, uh, true. Duh. What about the classic theme song? Third. Agreed. Yeah, like most people go, oh, classic theme song. And it's a very good theme song, but like that's nostalgia blinding you. Pokemon Johto is like one of the best theme songs in the history of theme songs. Yeah. But that has nothing to do with what I'm recommending. Even though, go and listen to that. Go type Pokemon Johto into YouTube. Just go listen to it and bounce your head and then learn the words and sing along. And, and if you watch the video, the, the opening video to the Pokemon Johto series, you have to go running along a dirt road as well. Yeah. But that's, that's neither here nor there. Listen to it 30 times in a row yeah. for 30 episodes. Um, 
what I'm going to recommend this week is uh, the the fine folks at Pokemon made the original Pokemon film available for free on their website. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So so you can go watch Pokemon, the 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 first movie. They've retroactively renamed it. Yeah. Because it's Pokemon the first movie now, which yeah. I don't think it was at the time. Yeah. Like, we, we went to see. I think we went to see the first two in the cinema. I went to see the first one. I didn't think I see the second one. Because the, the second one came with the Mew card, though, and I yeah. have the Mew card. Yeah, I have one too. I don't know where I got it from. So I think we definitely saw that's the one with Lugia yeah. and the, the legendary birds. Yeah, I remember they're giving away cards for the first one, and I we, remember we, I got you got Dragonite, didn't you? Yeah. Did and, you cry to get another one? No. Uh, what happened was we, <laughs> was we pre-bought the tickets when they weren't giving away the cards. And then they're giving away cards. And I, for some reason, I got really upset and started crying. And I was like blubbering to the girl. And she just gave me like a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, please, 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 lady. Stop crying. But um, yeah, I, I was so like, you talk about movie events of your childhood. Uh, there's the memorable ones like Lion King, Aladdin, Toy Story. But uh, those were ones that you just happened to see because they were there at the time. Yeah. Um, the one for Pokemon. Yeah. The ones that you're anticipating to put po- uh, the Power Rangers movie. Yep. And Pokemon is the one I remember most. As in, like this is it's like it's finally happening. Yeah, that, like it's like the movie event of my childhood in some ways. Um, looking back on it, it doesn't hold up for me. That I well. I think it holds up very well. Um, Gar, the, the one thing is that they have unveil your plot hole. So they go through this whole thing, and then they're battling, and they're all trying to kill each other. Basically, they are to kill each other. At the end, they're just like. They're battling to to win, you know. The to, clones are battling the real Pokemon, and then they play that really sad. Is it Boys the Men? Yeah. Brother, my brother. Yeah. And then, like, I watched that the other day, and when they play Brother, my brother, and the, the Pokemon are very like sadly punching each other in the face in yeah. slow motion. And it's like, it's like, oh, it's, it's almost like when this was, is really sad. Documentary is like, what do you do? What are we doing to each other? Yeah. We're not the enemy. And Pikachu, as you said on Twitter, here has a, a, a magnificent emotional range. He's just looking at it all, going. Why world? Why? Yeah. And then, uh, then the, the clone Pikachu starts slapping him in the face, and Pikachu's just standing there looking sad, taking uh, it all. Yeah, but then uh, Mewtwo decides, "What have we done?" And then wipes all their memories. <laughs> and uh, so basically, the whole film has been for nothing. But it's, what Mewtwo learns is the lesson, Ken. It's it's Mewtwo's arc, Ken, not the the other people's arc. It's teaching Mewtwo that it's okay. You don't have to be superior to anybody. I think. I think my theory is, Gareth, that they started. They went down that road and then they realized that their entire franchise is based on these t- these creatures fighting each other. But again, it's, and it's, it's, not, uh, it's not the sporting endeavor of Pokemon yeah. fighting. That's fine. Yeah. It, it, it's fighting for war, fighting so for supremacy. That's, re- what they, that's what's wrong. They were afraid that children would understand the emotional complexity of fighting animals is wrong. Yeah. And then Pokemon stuck with Plummet because no, <laughs> no, it's like, like ch- children are like, it's like, Pokemon is cruelty. <laughs> I'm not watching Pokemon anymore. But uh, it seems like they kind of just went like our th- like our whole premise is cruel, and then we're like, wait a second, this is how we make money. Let's go back on that. It was, but Ken, it was the hate fighting Ken they didn't like. Ken, stop rooting Pokemon. It's a good film. And Ash is turned to stone, and Pikachu is like, Chow! and he's shocking Ash, and it's cry. And Pikachu tears roll down his face, and then the tears bring Ash back to life. Ken, it's dumb. It's. <laughs> you haven't watched it recently. I watched it like two days okay, ago. Okay, I will watch it again. With your theory or with your points in mind, and I, I am open to being, uh, to being. You just read someone else's opinion of it. You no, didn't come up that, with that, that is yourself. My opinion. You that didn't is come my up opinion. with that yourself. 
you read something else say that and you're like oh that's gonna be my opinion now yeah i was being progressive i was saying i was willing to change my mind on a, on, a, on another watch with, with my adult eyes and then you just jumped down my throat on a side note before we move on it's got a very 90s soundtrack it does it's got like like this uh sweet or uh, i think they're danish or no no norwegian pop duo that we never heard from again yep it's got britney spears christina aguilera it's like yep. uh boys the men Even boys the men yeah I think JT is on our in sync around there somewhere yeah, as well. I think in sync around in sync around that era. Yeah, it's just like so so like nineties. In fairness, most of those songs aren't really in the film. Yeah, it's it's like music. It's on the soundtrack or oh, yeah. during the credits. Exactly. They just kind of like all these stars wanted to cash on on being associated with Pokemon. Yeah, I, I watched the second one as well. Yeah, during the week, and uh, there's a weird Al Pokemon song. Is there Polka Mon? As in P O L K A Mon. <laughs> he basically it's the polka rap. He just essentially names Pokemon. <laughs> But it's like, Weird Al did a Pokemon song. Why did I forget that Weird Al did a Pokemon song, Ken? Maybe you wanted to forget, Karen. It's a good song. I'm like, yeah, go Weird Al. Okay, Weird Al, whatever. Your final pick, Ken. My final pick is a comedic special, which you, uh, Netflix, uh, Netflix, I should say. Netflix is this segment. Yeah. Uh, Until is, they buy it out. Because they're... Or, like, or sue, sue us. us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is, uh, they're getting famous for that these days. They kind of commission a lot of comedy specials. A lot. And this one is... Uh, one I watched during the week and I was very enamored by. It's Hannibal Burris. Have you heard heard of Hannibal Burris before? I have. Where have I heard of Hannibal Burris? He's kind of he's kind of in movies now and TV. So you 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 don't. Yeah. He's gonna be in Baywatch. Uh, so is The Rock. Yeah. Uh, as far as The Rock can even run down the beach with his freaking gigantic muscles. Yeah, without tearing a quad. <laughs> uh, it's basically his comedy special, uh, comedy Comisado. I don't know what that means, but on it on Netflix. We do not speak Spanish, Ken. I uh, think. I just think he's kind of one of those really intelligent stand-ups uh, where he doesn't use, like, he kind of uses kind of crude jokes, but he also kind of uses jokes where he kind of uh, constructs it throughout the kind of the set, you know, whereas, you know, things pay off later that he sets up earlier. And, yeah, like Darrow Brain. Yeah, like Darrow Brain in a sense. Um, it's very sharp, very witty. It seems like he's improvising quite a lot, which I like as well. So uh, he's just a funny guy. Uh, it's it's an hour so long. Also like Darrow Green. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an enjoyable watch for an hour. You know, some of those comedy specials you watch them on Netflix and you're just like, this is shit. Where did did he forget the jokes? Yeah, it's just like that's what I think about when you're in the middle. Yeah, it's like I watch that show and I'm like, did they forget the jokes? Yeah. Did they write the show with with unlikable characters and, and plot? It's all plot. It's like. Where were the jokes supposed to be? Exactly. So uh, that can happen with a Netflix comedy special because there's so many of them. But this is actually one of the, the, the gems. So it doesn't suck. <laughs> it doesn't suck. And you will laugh at it, unlike some of them. So check it out. That's Hannibal Burris, Comedy Commissado on Netflix. Okay, Gary, do you want to take us home? Yep. That's all the picks we have for another week. Uh, we will boot up the dial in order to find more in time for next week's episode. Be sure to let us know your thoughts if you check out any of our selections on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK and over on Twitter at TWSKK or uh, we have individual Twitter feeds too if you want. Yeah, at Ken Kidney. And at Garrett Kidney. How original. Yeah, it's my name, Ken. I'm sorry. I'm sorry too. (laughs) Time for another break before we come right back with our brand new segment. Ooh, do over. Stick around. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash TWSKK, Twitter at TWSKK, or search for TWSKK on YouTube. You're very welcome back to the Weekend Show. You know, it seems these days everybody's a critic. In fact, we have a podcast that basically criticizes things. Criticizes everything, even ourselves. Mostly ourselves. 
People are very quick to trash a piece of entertainment, but they never offer constructive feedback in the form of, I don't know, a podcast segment? So that the creators of said stinker can do better next time. Well, we said no more. So this week we bring you the debut edition of our brand new segment, Do Over. Do Over, it's not dirty. <laughs> yeah, sure. Where we rewrite universally reviled pop culture properties to make them beloved classics. Because we're generous that way. Yeah. And in the spirit of healthy competition and fan interaction and proving one is superior to the other, Ken and I will be going head to head by offering our own fresh take on the film before asking you to vote on the winner on Twitter. We'll put up a Twitter poll on twitter.com forward slash TUSKK. Tomorrow. Probably tomorrow. Probably tomorrow. Depends how many listens we get. Yeah. But yeah. Vote. Please vote. And vote for me because, you know, I'll win. We don't. Yeah. Vote. No. <laughs> you said yeah. Ha. Jam. But if you don't vote, then like, you know. People died for your right to Twitter vote. Exactly. This is a free country. Make your voice heard. We have a general election in a couple of weeks. We might do an episode on that. Will we Will we talk general election stuff next week? Maybe. Maybe. We might do a news story too on it. Maybe the week after because we've got a couple of weeks. Next week would be the... It's two weeks. 19th. But yeah, the general election will have happened by the time two weeks yeah. in two weeks. Probably better to look back on it than forward. Fair enough. Then it would probably be three yeah, we're weeks. Lo- we're, well, we can't really have a production meeting in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> yeah, do over. <laughs> do over. In this first entry, we do Disney's recent big budget flop, Tomorrowland, starring George Clooney, Hugh Laurie, and Britt Robertson. It made $190 million on a $209 million budget, so it's actually um, considered money. a financial loss. That's not including marketing and all that, too. Exactly. On Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes, it received a rating of 49% based on 239 reviews with an average of 5.9 out of 10. The site's consensus reads, ambitious and visually stunning. I think we can agree on that. It does look nice. Tomorrowland is unfortunately weighed down by uneven storytelling. Metacritic, which is another film authority on the internet, gave it a 60 out of 100 score based on 47 critics indicating mixed or average reviews. In cinema score polls conducted during the opening weekend, cinema audiences, you know, the people who just came out to the film and saw it with fresh eyes, gave the film a grade of B on an A plus to F scale, and IMDb gave it three out of five stars. So like, the, the collective uh, response to this film was like... Mediocrity. Yeah, it's like, okay. It's all right. You know, that, that's what, that was our response, because I really wanted to like this film. Yeah. Because it's like directed by Brad Bird, who who has a really good hit ratio. With Pixar. He and directed The Incredibles. He directed The Iron Giant. Yeah. So like he, he does good things. And one of the one of the things about this film, which I really liked was much like Star Wars, the promotion was like mysterious and vague. And like I didn't know much about the film going in, which I kind of like these days. I like to be yeah. surprised by a film, which but in this case, in Pixar, uh, sorry, not Pixar got Pixar on the brain. Yeah. In the case of Star Wars, it led to its massive success. But this kind of anticipation, uh, in this case, kind of led to a lackluster reception. I will go into this in my do-over segment, Ken, but I think part of that is down to the fact that I don't think the film was all that true to the kind of trailer. I would, I would agree with that, Gareth, because the trailer kind of painted this kind of fantastic world where anything was possible. And I thought we were going to be immersed in that world for the the majority of the film and we were not. Yeah. So, uh, so in fact, should... it was like an afterthought in the film almost. <laughs> yeah. Should we get around to it, Ken? We should. As a sporting man, I will allow you to go first, Gar. But first, the rules. For without rules, there would be chaos. And we'll probably break all of them. Exactly. You have three minutes to make your case and propose the changes that you've made. You can make up to five changes, but you have to lock them in before the time runs out or else they shall be stricken from the record. 
Even though, is this like a jury thing where they're like, pretend you didn't hear that. Exactly. That is inadmissible. To pretend you... So if you're voting at home and uh, someone... When you're voting at home. When you're voting at home. If someone uh, proposes a change outside of the three minute window, you are to disregard it in your voting uh, Do like consideration. Do like black thing motions in front of your own eyes. Exactly. Just pretend you never heard. Okay. So I'm putting three minutes on the clock there. Ready, steady, go. Okay. First change. George Clooney's character. Yes. Gruff, mean, bitter, angry, living in a house by himself because the world is ending. Oh, by the way, the segment of spoilers about Tomorrowland. That's inevitable, really, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, I, I, whereas I would, I prefer him to be more of a Willy Wonka. Yes. More of a guide to this universe. More of a like, this is the fantastical universe of Tomorrowland. I'm charming and gorgeous, George Clooney. Stare at me for a while. Yes. That, that's my first change because he was. It's just like. I don't want to see George Clooney being mean and angry. I wanted this to be like charming and nice and charismatic. So yeah, George Clooney more like Willy Wonka, uh, without the you know midgets and killing people. <laughs> Second change. Uh, I was talking about how the trailer wasn't entirely true to the film. Like when she in the, the in the trailer, she picks up her her button thing and she gets transported to this magical universe. It's kind of like an Alice in Wonderland moment. Yes, I'd prefer more like that. That there, there's this conflict between her wanting to stay more in this universe or going back to the other one. And, yeah. And, and instead of like, she then doesn't go back there for ages. Yeah. And then they come across this android who, yeah. who, I can't remember what the android was doing. Why did they come across the android? She was trying to, I can't even remember. Yeah, the android and the android's emotional through line doesn't really click either. And none of this film works. <laughs> I wanted to like this film. So so basically, the, the more of a conflict between... I would have preferred George Clooney to be set in Tomorrowland and then her to, to be kind of going back and forth. And the conflict being, you know, you know, wanting to live in this world because, you know, it's what she's always dreamed of and, you know, leaving her family behind. Yeah. And uh, versus, you know, living in boring old regular world. I like the kind of true... The idea of true... The, her being a true believer... Yeah, but I don't think that ever landed. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're a true believer. You believe. You, you. How, how long do I have left, by the way? I'm gonna give you a uh, one minute warning now. Okay. Uh, whereas, whereas it's like, oh, it, it didn't really sell me on that. Mm-hmm. That is like, oh, she, she, she believes. So, so that means she can see things that other people can't and do things other people can't because she's a believer. Whereas George Clooney's an old, horrible cynic. Didn't have enough joy. My problem. Yeah. Very dull. And uh, my, my third and final kind of broad change is a better threat. Yeah. Because the threat, which and unveiled the threat earlier, which I think was a bigger problem. Yeah. Where it's like in like the final quarter of the film, it's like, oh, there's this machine. It's it's pumping images into the real world, creating a self-fulfilling prophecy that the world's going to end. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know, some threat that the people of Tomorrowland, I don't know, they're running out of energy or something and they need to steal it from the real world something like that something stupid and hokey i don't want like plot i just want this magical wonderful world which george clooney introduces us to and runs us around and it's rompy and it's fun and it's joyful not like time. george clooney being miserable okay okay you get a time me okay i'm just gonna like after like 30 seconds like you're done <laughs> all right Ken. three two one go okay first change Remove George Clooney altogether. Oh my God. Yeah. Heathenous. George Clooney, I think in recent years, uh, George has done comedy and he's done kind of lighter films. In recent years, he's become too synonymous with drama and serious films. I just don't think he can 
pull off a kids movie anymore. But he's so charming. I, I saw none of the charm in this film. So that's I, a scripting problem. That's not a George problem. I I would disagree with you guys. I think George George just wasn't bothered about this film. But he, he's gorgeous. He kind of di- I don't know what his motivations for doing the film was. He just didn't seem to um to click. So I would have replaced George Clooney with a more affable actor. Who are you going to replace him with? Uh, don't you say Chris Pratt that's the lazy option no that's not going to be Chris Pratt let me think uh, I don't spend too much time thinking about this <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm trying to run the clock down but uh, I don't know even someone even some like uh, I don't know damn it Tom Hanks but, yeah yeah okay Boo. damn <laughs> Boom. it went for the most likable actor in Hollywood two minutes left um, I suppose I should move on to my next one I, I, similar to you it's like I, I, I would like to establish a credible threat uh, but that was almost like they kind of hinted at it at the start of the film and then it came back at the end and it was like, yeah, most of the film, it was only even because most of the film was about her getting to Tomorrowland. So I would have had her go to Tomorrowland pretty much in the, in the after the first act of the film. Uh, it would be set in Tomorrowland. But I would also remove the whole she's the chosen one aspect. I think that was weak and it was lazy. Uh, so Twilight tropes. Yeah, so she, she I have no problem with her being a strong female character and her being the heroine but like oh she's the only one that could save the universe and she you know she's destined to do this i think it was just a bit rubbish and <laughs> um i think uh the android character was a bit lazy uh she seemed to be kind of like there to basically be killed off in an emotional fashion in the end um i one think they left they should have made more of the relationship between her and george Clooney. oh so you just do you want more of that so, relationship so george, or, sorry her and tom, tom hanks. hanks okay uh, so I think that um, they should have spent a bit more time on that relationship because the whole emotional power of her death would have been more if, if you know, their... Tom Hanks was more likable. Exactly, and their relationship was and more, Tom, well, Tom was more evident. Less likable, he's Tom Hanks. And uh, I think that I would have linked the film to the the actual actual real world in that Tomorrowland is a portal in Disneyland is a portal to this oh, that's a fantastical good idea. world god damn it yeah so. I was just thinking that's like oh they should make Tomorrowland yeah. like uh, uh, some way representative yeah so Tomorrowland is actually real but it looks like a, a theme park attraction but it's actually real so there's all my changes boom you have you have 11 seconds use them as you will Tom Hanks has a sidekick that's a robot <laughs> it's a cutesy sight. Yeah, it's that, that actually looks like Tom. Looks like a mini Tom Hanks. Time. <laughs> added the mini Tom Hanks robot at the end. <laughs> mini Tom Hanks robot. So uh, uh, I think I made five changes there, so I didn't break any rooms. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, who cares? Yeah. So yeah, that's it, Gar. I won. I won. I clearly won. Gar, you replaced George. Yeah. George Clooney is an icon with Tom a Hanks, charismatic hero. I replaced him with Woody and. Uh, Captain Phillips. <laughs> this is my boat, and I won't let you. That's not a very good Boston accent. No, it's really not. But uh, Gar, I, the guy from the Gar, terminal. I purposely this went second. This is my boat, and I will not get off. Yeah, I I purposely went second so I could totally wipe the floor with you, which I proceeded to do. Sure, sure, I you totally did. beat you. Sure, Gar, it's not up to us. Who wins? You decide. You can make your voice heard on our Twitter poll. Voting opens tomorrow at TWSKK. Let us know how you'd fix Tomorrowland on Twitter. Or if you prefer, you can drop us a line on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. We'll be right back to wrap up the show with details on next week's episode. Stay tuned. You're 
listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Download a new episode every Saturday at soundcloud.com slash TWSKK or find us on iTunes. Okay, my favorite deputies, that's our show for this week. Thank you for taking the time to click play or download on the podcast. You can now find a new episode every Saturday at soundcloud.com forward slash TWSKK. Make sure to bookmark the link or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode. Speaking of, you can also track us down on iTunes, as I just indicated. Yeah. If you like the show, why not write us a review on iTunes? iTunes, we're on iTunes. Yep. We're, Apple. We're legit. Even though we buried Steve Jobs earlier. Yeah. He's already. Figuratively. Sorry. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he was buried uh, many years ago. But it really does help more than you know, so do us a solid and write us a, a review. If you can't wait to, until next week for more weekend show antics, you can relive snippets of our best bits on YouTube. Just search TWSKK. You can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. And where can they find us on Twitter, Gar? At TWSKK. We were brought to you this week by our sponsor, the Luxo Cooperation. There's a lamp over there. Yes. Maybe made by Luxo, we don't know. Probably not. Next week, we talk the new Premier League TV deal and ask if, with figures soaring to record highs, is top-flight English football headed for a massive collapse? It's sure to be an interesting discussion, so do join us and offer your thoughts. Our theme music is by the very talented Mr. John. And until next time, say goodbye, Gar. Bye-bye. Take it easy, everybody. Bye-bye.